Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Listening to Forever Haunted Podcast. Coming at you straight from the supernatural vortex. Vortex. Discussing haunted locations, ghosts, poltergeists, cryptids, and all unexplained phenomena. Here's your hosts, Eve S. Evans, James Currow, and Ryan C. James! Yes? What do you think we should talk about today? You know, I've always been curious about haunted objects. Like, what kind of haunted objects? You know, like the movie Annabelle. I'm thinking about haunted dolls, possessed clocks, what they call possessed possessions, stuff like that. Hmm, that sounds awesome. Do you have one? Well, maybe we could talk about my haunted Alexa later, but let's first talk a little about what some haunted objects could be. Sounds good. All right, demon dolls, haunted objects. You never know what you might bring home with you from an antique store or yard sale. We've all heard the stories about demon dolls and other haunted objects. In most cases, a family member buys an antique that just happens to have something paranormal attached to it. Now you have to think twice about that item you buy from eBay. You think that you're getting a pair of Crocs, but are you? Are you getting Swamp Gas? (laughs) (laughs) Swamp Gas! Demon Crocs! Nice. Wow, that was loud. (laughs) It's thought that there are two ways an object can become haunted. One, they either absorb the energy of their previous owner, or two, they're cursed by some type of magical ritual. Haunted objects can be anything. The most common possessed possessions include dolls, jewelry, antique bed frames and headboards, paintings, especially those self-portraits, mirrors, clothing, especially things like gowns, chairs, and weirdly, toothbrushes. It's obvious why these objects absorb energy. They either have a great deal of contact with their owner, for example, jewelry, Or they capture the image of their owner, like mirrors. An untimely death could also give the energy to charge the object. For example, a bride who dies on her wedding night could definitely charge her gown and wedding ring with enough essence to become haunted. 
Always ask about the item's history before buying it. If needed, you could ask a psychic gifted with psychometry to test the objects before you bring them home. The psychic can pick up the vibes on the object and tell you if it's good or bad energy. If you experience any ghostly activities, we strongly recommend you call someone to test the object right away. That seems like a lot of work when you're just buying a Masters of the Universe lunchbox at a garage sale. And it's you. <laughs> you know, though. How do you say that? <laughs> Nicely. <laughs> I've heard, though, that many objects remain dormant until there's a change in its environment. Usually that means an owner takes it to a new home or you move into someone's home. That change in energy can activate the object. If you do have a haunted object, the following ghostly activities may happen. Your possessions could move on their own. Not necessarily the haunted object itself, though. Swamp gas. <laughs> it's always gas with you. <laughs> That's not appropriate. I'm a lady. Apparitions and shadow people may manifest. Nightmares can become frequent three times per week or more. Sometimes bad luck happens around the home. Minor injuries or plumbing or electrical problems. Or drawers on your desk come out to bite you. That's true. Take off half your knee. Ouch. Hate it when that happens. <laughs> or illnesses become more frequent, like colds, flu, and food poisoning. The timing varies on these activities. Usually they start within the first two weeks, but it can happen on the anniversary of the previous owner's death. There are five ways to break the bond with a haunted object. Spiritual cleansing. Cleanse the object with salt. Return it to its original place. Bury it in a graveyard or burn it. What about blowing it up? Or putting it in a swamp with gas. No. Okay. <laughs> Burning always works, but then you've lost your money. Plus, you could burn down the block. So we say don't burn anything. We recommend using salt cleansing and spiritual cleansing before doing anything too drastic. Are you ready to share your first haunted object, James? Sure thing. I happen to have a good one, in fact. The very first one. Have you ever heard of a Dybbuk box? Actually, I have. A Dybbuk box is a restless, usually malicious spirit believed to be able to haunt and even possess the living. The box gained notoriety when it was auctioned on eBay with an accompanying horror story written by Kevin Manis and the original inspiration for the 2012 film, The Possession. That's a good movie. I know. I liked it. Scared me. Well, this is what I found out. About the Dybbuk box. Was there a Dybbuk in it? Or was it just a box? I don't know. I don't I don't actually know what the word Dybbuk comes from. D-I-B-B-U-K for you Googlers out there. I just told you. It's a restless, usually malicious spirit. It's the name of a spirit. I know. But if you go to the second page of the Google search, then you find a little more. Like, what does the word Dybbuk mean? The Dybbuk box, or Dybbuk box, as it's sometimes known is a wine box set created and used by Kevin Manis. Manis is a writer and a creative trader by profession who owned antique furniture. This box was auctioned on eBay. The box is believed to be haunted by a Dybbuk. The box became popular right after it was placed on eBay auction with a short horror story describing the box written by Kevin Manis. The movie The Possession was inspired by this very haunted box. According to the story by Mr. Manis, the box belonged to a survivor of the Holocaust in German-occupied Poland 
named Havila. Havila had escaped to Spain right after purchasing it there before her immigration to the United States. Havila's granddaughter told Manus that the box had been bought in Spain after the Holocaust. Manus wanted to give it back to the original family. Havana's granddaughter insisted that he take the box. She told him that the box was kept in her grandmother's sewing room and was never opened because a divic was said to live in the box. Mannix opened the box and found two 1920s pennies, a lock of blonde hair bound with cord, a lock of black or brown hair bound with cord, a small statue engraved with the Hebrew word shalom, a small golden wine goblet, one dried rosebud, and a single candle holder with four octopus-shaped legs. Manis mentioned in his horror story that many of its previous owners have experienced paranormal activities. He continued to write that even he experienced horrific nightmares when he owned the box. His mother suffered from a stroke on the day that he gave her the box as a birthday present. Every owner of the Dybbuk box reported that smells of cat urine or jasmine flowers, followed by horrific nightmares involving an old hag, accompany the box. Iosif Nitschke, a student from Missouri, was the last to auction the box on eBay. Nitschke claimed that the box caused lights to burn and his hair to fall out. Jason Haxton, director of the Museum of Osteopathic Medicine in Kirksville, Missouri, who had been actively following Nitsky's blog, claimed that he fell ill and developed strange health issues, including hives, coughing up blood, and head-to-toe welts. Haxton claimed the box and then resealed it and has secretly hidden it in an unknown place. He does not want to reveal the secret place. Yikes. Yeah, I would get as far away from that thing as humanly possible. Right? And what's with all the stuff in it? The hair. Somebody must have obviously done some witchcraft on the box or cursed it. Right. Or I'm wondering if, if maybe people put things in it and that somehow kept passed it, it on. Bay? Yeah, kept it at bay and passed it you on like to somebody else. Like, here, have something and leave me alone. Right. I don't know. It's so weird. Do you believe in ghosts? Have you ever had something happen that you just couldn't explain? Do you binge ghost hunting shows just to get the adrenaline rush of a good scare? If you delight in the paranormal, you will devour books by author Eve S. Evans. Join her in her journey to find the truth through others' real ghostly encounters. Eve Evans brings you 20 spine-chilling tales of paranormal encounters, sure to leave you awake, passed on. Well, now I have a haunted object. Are you ready? Absolutely. Let's hear it. Have you heard of the Chained Oak? Can't say that I have. Well, this one is mostly legend, but it's pretty cool. All right. This ancient oak tree near the village of Alton, Staffordshire, England, is undoubtedly one of the scariest looking trees you'll ever look at. Covered in huge rusted chains, it looks as though the tree may have once roamed around the forest, picking off wanderers who dare disturb its who dare disturb its arboreal realm before the villagers captured it and chained it to its current spot. The real legend is just as frightening. Legend has it that the Earl of Shrewsbury, who lived at the Grand Estate of Alton Towers, now a pretty decent theme park, by the way, was traveling back home one evening when his carriage was stopped by a lone beggar woman. The grubby old lady asked the Earl for a penny, 
and when he rudely dismissed her, cursed the earl, stating that for every branch that fell from the old oak tree, a member of his family would perish. That night, a great storm ripped one of the limbs from the tree, and by morning, one of the earl's family members had passed away horribly. The frightened nobleman then ordered the oak be bound in chains so that no more branches could fall from it. I'm sorry, I just can't get over the fact that he was the Earl of Shrewsbury. You just knew that I was going to make fun of that. Okay, and how are you going to make fun of that? <laughs> I don't know, I just thought to myself, if you're the Earl of Shrewsbury, you kind of deserve something like that to happen to you. That's not nice. I know. What? It's a shrew, mm. which is a witch, which is the lone beggar woman. It was fate. Okay. Do you have any more creepy haunted items to share, James? I do. This one will teach you a lesson in buying secondhand furniture. I'm intrigued. It's the story of the Tallman bunk beds. In the 1980s, Alan and Debbie Tallman bought bunk beds for their two kids at a secondhand shop. From the first night they brought it home, it was very clear something was wrong. with Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. The beds. First, one of their sons who had rarely even ever gotten a cold, fell horribly ill. The radio on the nightstand began turning off and on on its own. The youngest daughter claimed to see a witch standing over her on the bottom bunk. Doors moved, lights turned off and on, and this is only a taste of the strange happenings. Soon, the family began hearing voices throughout the house. This carried on for nine months before they had simply had enough. Tallman's had the bunk beds destroyed and the hauntings immediately stopped. Apparently, it was that easy. It never seems like it could be that easy. I know. Usually, you end up throwing them away and then you walk into the room and there they are right again, right? Yeah. Or you throw them away and somehow somebody's like, oh... You wanted this, right? I just put it back by your front door, you know? Right, exactly. So like, no! <laughs> Get it out of here! <laughs> All right, are you ready for some more? I don't know. I'm getting kind of nervous even going to garage sales anymore. Yeah? All right, we have Thomas Busby's chair. In the summer of 1702, Thomas Busby strangled his father-in-law, Daniel Audie, when he found Audie sitting in Busby's favorite oak chair. Arrested, tried, and condemned to death, Busby's last request on the way to the gallows in Thirsky, England, was to stop in at his favorite pub and drink ale in his favorite chair. When he finished his drink, he declared, May sudden death come to anyone who dare sit in my chair. The chair remained in the pub for centuries, and allegedly, anyone who sat in it later died from the same unseen misfortune. Since 1972... The chair is hung from the ceiling of the Thirsk Museum in North Yorkshire, England, so no one can sit in it, even accidentally. You know, I tried that curse with our children on my favorite TV chair, but it never works. That's a bummer. I know. Plus, it's kind of morbid to threaten your children with death by sitting in your <laughs> TV chair. Don't sit in my chair. <laughs> I would say he definitely liked that chair. So what else do you got there for me, James? The Bassano Vase. 
Ooh. Does it curse flowers? No, unfortunately. For the morbid interior decorator, the Bassano vase would make a perfect companion piece for Thomas Busby's killing chair. What? No. This 15th century vase was made for an Italian maiden on her wedding night. The young bride died that night, clutching the vase and vowing to seek her vengeance. Each family member who inherited the vase died until it was finally hidden away. It is unclear if the vase was eventually buried in sacred ground, but it was finally unearthed in 1988 with a note inside reading, Beware, this vase brings death. The vase was sold to a pharmacist who reportedly died three months later, as did the 37-year-old surgeon who owned it next. The last owners were so desperate to rid themselves of it, they tossed it out the window, where it hit a policeman on the head and nearly killed him. The family refused to take the vase back. The vase was allegedly reburied in a lead coffin, waiting to be discovered again. Spooky. Definitely lock that thing up. I know. I don't even like vases when they're not haunted. So, yeah, get rid of that thing. <laughs> All right. My turn. My next item will have you thinking twice before looking in the mirror. Oh, yeah. I'm quite dashing, so try me. Ah. <laughs> uh. The Myrtles Plantation is a historic home in Louisiana, United States. Built in 1796 by General David Bradford, the house is considered as one of America's most haunted homes. The plantation house is rumored to be on top of an ancient Tunica Indian burial ground. The house is supposedly haunted by at least 12 ghosts. It is often reported that 10 murders have taken place in the house. A mirror located in the house is known to hold the spirits of Sarah Woodruff and two of her children. Sarah Woodruff was the wife of Clark Woodruff, who managed the house after the death of General David Bradford in 1808. According to customs, mirrors are covered after death, but the Myrtle's plantation mirror was left uncovered that trapped the spirits of Sarah Woodruff and her two children. People have reported occasionally to have seen handprints on the mirror. Wow. I, I think the mirror stores are really spooky. I know that there's the movies of people getting caught in mirrors or, you know, trapped behind the mirrors and stuff like that. But uh, murders, like, yeah, I haven't heard anything like that. Well, here's the thing. I never asked you this. So we had a dresser with a mirror. Were you okay with that, I think? Did that ever, like, were you ever kind of like, I don't want it right by the bed? No, uh, I never had anything. Uh. Um, I, I did get freaked out when I would like sit in front of it and kind of do my hair and I would hear that oh there was God. nobody in the room. Um, <laughs> but I just kind of figured go with it. You know, if you got it, flaunt it. <laughs> That's funny. So, um, no, it never freaks you out to have like a mirror at night next to your bed. No, mirrors have never freaked me out. No, I, I just don't, I don't like them. You don't even like it in your room? Not really. Not in the room I'm sleeping in. I've noticed that you've never really been big on having mirrors in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Not really, no. Well, ten murders, that's a lot. Oh, from the story. Right. Yeah. Yep. No. Yeah. Delayed reaction. <laughs> that ten murders, man, that's a lot. That's, if we can just go back to the little bit of murder that happened on the Myrtles Plantation. Well, right. how about on the next story, I'll let you go first. All right. How about the Anguished Man painting? Ooh, sounds interesting. Do tell. Well, Sean... 
well, Sean, <laughs> that doesn't even make sense in that context. <laughs> I just wanted to throw you off guard. Nice. Okay. Well, Sean Robinson's grandmother kept this painting in her attic for nearly 25 years before he inherited it from her. His grandmother was always telling him about that painting, that it was cursed, evil, and explaining that the painting was painted using blood and paint mixed together, and that its creator killed himself right after completing the painting. She claimed to have heard strange and mysterious voices and crying, and also reported to have seen a shadowy figure of a man in her house. These events frightened her enough to keep the painting in her attic for 25 years. After Robinson took over the painting and brought it into his home, the family started experiencing a similar phenomenon as described by the grandmother. His son fell down from the stairs, and then his wife felt something stroking her hair. And then one time, they saw a shadowy man and heard crying. Robinson created a YouTube video to capture these events occurring at his home by placing a camera all over his house. The video shows banging doors, paintings falling down, and smoke. Now, the anguished man painting lies in Robinson's basement. I don't buy paintings. I know, right? Old paintings are creepy anyway. I don't know why people want to go around looking for, like, old art and creepy. Because they always had, like, creepy frames, too. Like, 1800s and, and earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, these gothic frames and things like that. That alone, I don't care what's in the painting itself, keeps me from wanting to get something like that. Yeah. Can you guess what the last one is? Uh, I'm not sure. It's Annabelle. Oh, everybody's favorite haunted object. Yes. Annabelle is an allegedly haunted ragdoll. It's the world's most haunted object, residing in the Warren's Occult Museum in Monroe, Connecticut. The haunted doll has inspired movies like The Conjuring and Annabelle. According to the claims by Ed and Lorraine Warren, a student nurse was given the ragged Ann doll in 1970 that behaved strangely. A psychic medium told the student the doll was inhabited by the spirit of a dead girl named Annabelle Higgins. The nurse and her roommate first nurtured and accepted the doll, but were frightened by its malicious behavior later. They contacted the Warrens, who took the doll to their museum, calling it demonically possessed. The Warrens had built a special glass case for the doll where it resides. A motorist who visited the museum, along with his girlfriend, taunted and teased the doll even after being warned by Ed. On their way back home, the motorcyclist lost control of his bike and crashed right onto a tree that killed him. The Warrens have claimed that the doll was responsible for the death of the motorcyclist. Yeah, you know what I found interesting, too, about this story, and a lot of people don't know, is that the actual doll looks like a Raggedy Ann doll and not the creepy kind of porcelain doll that you see in the movie. Mm-hmm. It looks um, completely different. Yeah. Right. But I could totally see if I just saw, like, a Raggedy Ann doll in a case and some crazy guy saying, don't mess with that doll in the case, you'd be like, it's a... St- Stupid kids, Raggedy Ann doll. And I probably could be guilty of doing something like that myself. You probably would. I could totally see you doing that. <laughs> I know. And then you would kill us all on the way home. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for us to go to a phone call. It's a young man who thinks his mother has attempted contact after passing on. So, essentially, it happened around when I was four, five, around that age. And um, at the time, I think we lived somewhere else. But I was sitting there with my aunt in bed. And um, at the time, my mom was in the hospital. 
And so I was just sitting there, she was asleep. I was just sitting there minding my own beeswax. I don't know what I was doing. I guess babies have a connection to the supernatural world, so more than when they do when they get older. As you get older, your brain matures. So uh, in her final moment, she wanted to just know that I was, she was happy in the end. So through that, um, yeah, I heard her final words at the end of the conversation. Then my mom, before she passed away, hospital uh, shortly after um, the birth of her, the hospital called and said she passed away. By that point, I don't know if it was spiritual, I don't know if it was supernatural, but I honestly thought it was just a sign, just to know that she's safe, she's okay, and that she's happy. So, recently, uh, this is from my uncle, he told me, so, three o'clock is the witch's hour, three o'clock in the morning, that's when the supernatural gate kind of opens and everything can speak to the spirit and that person's more stronger, that's stronger to talk about. And so, he had gotten woken up by his dog at 3.33 in the morning. And she, he was bar- his dog was barking at the rocking chair. And the rocking chair was just slowly moving, slowly, slowly, slowly. And then it just stopped. I don't know if that was another appearance of my mom. I don't know if that was a ghost. I've looked up the history of our house and there's no supernatural or death or anything major that's going on. So I don't know. Well. Do you think his mom was trying to contact him after she passed away? It's certainly possible. I've definitely heard stories like this before, especially where there's something unsaid or something that somebody that's passed on really needed to express or or kind of get off their chest before they kind of move on. And so um, it's, it's, it's kind of touching when you hear stories like that. Yeah. Do you remember when I told you our lights were flickering after my mom passed away for a I, little bit? I do. Actually, you saw them flicker a couple times. I think I did, yeah. You think you did? Well, it was a while ago. I, I hadn't thought about it till you brought it up, but yeah, I, I, I remember that. Yeah. Well, do you have a haunted object story? I don't, per se. I do, and although my parents used to make fun of me for it, but when I was... Six or seven years old, I had a blow-up clown. It was kind of like uh, one of those blow-up things that has like a bell on the bottom of them, and you can punch it, and it'll kind of fall over and then come back up. Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah. (laughs) And it was named Bobo the Clown. It was like the Bobo the Clown punching doll. Okay. And (laughs) it was supposed to be kind of a fun thing, but it was kind of creepy, you know, Mm -hmm. in of itself. And um, we got it at the fair. I think I won it playing a game at the fair and had that thing in my room for maybe a couple of weeks. And one night I was kind of restless in bed, lights are off, and I look over and the eyes from the Bobo the Clown blow up were red and I could hear the thing, the bell in it, going cling, 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 cling. <laughs> and I was totally freaked out. I put the covers over my head and was like, and I was awake. So this wasn't some like nightmare or some night terror kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so it stopped and I fell asleep. The next night I get woken up and I hear the cling, cling again in the middle of the night. And I open my eyes and I expect to see it down where it's supposed to be, but I can't find it anywhere. Really? So I could just hear the cling cling, you know, from the bell at the very bottom. 
and I start like looking down and I can't see it like right between my path and door and I got off my bed and ran as fast as I could <laughs> out the hallway and ran into my parents' room and I was like this haunted Bobo the Clown's gonna get me, you know? And of course, they just thought I was an idiot and had a nightmare or whatever. Um, but they let me sleep in their room, so I didn't have to go back in there. Needless to say, the very next day, I took a knife and I <laughs> stabbed that <laughs> you thing. You stabbed it, you're like, die! <laughs> let all the air out of it. Die, demon Bobo! <laughs> and threw that sucker in the trash. And luckily, this is not a story... Where it somehow ended up back in my room. That would be crazy if it's like all got band-aids on it and it's like, I found your band-aids. But I was convinced, you know, even being really young, that there was something with that thing. And so because of that, and no joke, the rest of the time I was a kid, whenever we'd go to the fair or somewhere and you win something, I'd be giving that to somebody else. I would never want to take anything home from the fair that I want ever again. Yeah. Do you also hate clowns now? I've always hated clowns anyway. I don't even know why I had that That's one. That's why, because you could punch it. <laughs> right. You're like, screw you, clown. <laughs> Actually, I do remember, I do have a haunted object story. And you technically have one too, except for it didn't happen to you. It just happened in our house. Do you know what I'm going to talk about? Well, we are you talking about the claw machine? Yep. Well, I think, yeah, I think we made reference to that in an earlier episode once. Yeah, huh? but it's a haunted object. True. And it had clown music. <laughs> That's true. It had the circus music. So the cl- the clown was following you through <laughs> the was, years. That's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> so if you haven't heard in a previous episode, we got our kids, I don't remember which kid either, um, a claw machine from Walmart. They're like 25 bucks and they're what, eight or 10 inches tall? Not very big. And I was at home working one day and it started out da, 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 da. and then as the claw was getting closer to dropping it would go faster and faster and faster until the claw dropped well my son was six months old and him and I were the only ones home and it went off and I was kind of like freaked out and so I went up there and I unplugged it and then I went back downstairs and started working and then it went off again and so I got freaked out and I called James and was like I unplugged it and he's like well did you check for batteries I'm like, oh, no. So then I have him stay on the phone with me while I go up there, and I take the batteries out. And then I go back downstairs, and I'm working. And honestly, it's like 15, 20 minutes, maybe. I don't remember. And then it went off again. And I, like, freaking... (laughs) I was so freaked out. I would have taken a baseball bat to it at that point. But I think I called you again, didn't I? You did. And I was, like, freaking out because... And you were like, well, maybe there was some juice left in it or something. Well, yeah, I, I had a hard time believing you that that's something that could happen. Dude, it was freaky. So that we lived in that house, and it was haunted. There was stuff going on, but that one was pretty freaky. It, it would have been worse if it was at night. It was during the day, which was thankful. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It was it was pretty freaky, but you destroyed it, and by doing that... I we, don't even remember what we did with it. Did we just put it in the trash, or what? I, I, think, I think we did. I think we destroyed it um, and threw it in the trash, and... Made sure that the trash man took it away. And then this one time, we had a haunted gazebo, and when we were watching a movie, it decided to fly on the neighbor's roof. I think that had something to do with a storm. Oh, right, Not that it was right. haunted. No, yeah. just trying to be funny. Right. Well, today, we have a special guest, James. Yeah, and who is that? Author Kevin Killen. Very good. What has he written? 
He is the author of a book called Ghost and Me. Well, let's talk about it. This book is a journey of searching and trying to understand the paranormal. For more than 30 years, he has experienced some... Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. ...form of paranormal activity. This book explores many of his paranormal experiences. At age five, he experienced a ghost for the first time. And in high school, he tried his best at acquiring his first electronic voice phenomenon. Then it goes on to explore his first EVP capture on tape in his childhood home. The book goes further into his experiences in several different schools and states, such as his experiences at a school in West Virginia. While not ghostly per se, the experiences had a paranormal feel to them. Very cool. I like hearing about people that are sensitive to the paranormal. I'm excited to have him on the show. I am as well. He has won five Virginia Press Awards during his time in journalism. Having stepped away from journalism, Kevin now counsels recovering addicts. He hopes this book can help others understand the paranormal and give sight into what others are experiencing. So you earned five Virginia Press Awards, correct? Yes. Can you tell me... How you do that? The paper that I worked for, we had, uh, we, we did series, um, and one of them was uh, right after 9-11, and uh, we actually had one of the guys who had anthrax, was one of, and, and he wouldn't, he only granted us the interview, I mean, he had people going from all over the world trying to interview him, and he only granted us access to him, which was really cool. So that was one, and I won that as a group. Um, and then I did some other stories throughout the years that were just, um, you know, because like I said, every year we had the, the award ceremonies and they'd send in what they thought was the best story that you wrote. You, you, you sent in your editor five or ten uh, of the year, which you thought was uh, really good. And then they went ahead and picked them, whittled them down from there and sent them in. And then the committee in Richmond, Virginia went ahead and voted on them. And then if you won, you won. And if you didn't, you didn't. And so I was able to win five of them. Wow. That's impressive. You are the author of Ghosts in Me, and it's about your journey in the paranormal. So did you write it because you were just curious or because you want to share with other people so that they can feel not alone or? Yeah, it was a little bit of both. Um, I really just wanted answers um, to all these things that were happening to me that I chronicled in the book, which are still, some of them are still going on today. Uh, so yeah, I just I kind of did that just to see uh, who I can connect with, and, and I've been finding in this journey in the last year that the book has been out that uh, a lot of people out there have the same experiences that I've had, uh, but I'm able to connect with a few and, and just talk about them to try to understand it. Because again, I, I still don't 
was a little bit of both. It was also cathartic for me because I, I had to have an outlet, and this was actually a good outlet. It's just to write it down. I, I started out as a journal, and then I decided to turn it into a manuscript. Well, I get that. I had experiences growing up too that I didn't really understand, and then I started writing um, true ghost stories, and I kind of did that to see if I could find answers with all these other people's stories, and so I can totally get that. Where I, Honestly, I've only been in it for like a year trying to figure it out, but I still don't feel like I have any, like a lot more answers. You know, do you feel yeah. that way? Do you feel like you're still... Oh, I'm totally the same way. Yeah, I mean, I, I listen to as many podcasts as I can. Um, not only the ones that I've been on, but just random ones throughout the week. Um, and again, a lot of them have the, the guests have a lot of the same stories I've had or I've gone through. And uh, I have no answer for them anymore doing it's funny because a lot of people say the same things i've said before verbatim it's actually kind of kind of nice to be like oh okay well that's that's the same thing i said you know three weeks ago on this podcast but it's just it's because of the way things are but yeah it's uh it's it's, it's a very interesting community and, and there's so many people out there that have these experiences that there still is a lot of um they're afraid to come out, some some of them still. So there's still a lot of that. Yeah, I have no more answers than I did a year ago since the book's been published. The book chronicles about 35 to almost 40 years of my life where I've actually had um, paranormal experiences, including my current workplace, which is uh, very active. I, I work with the recovering addicts in a residential facility. Um, so there's a lot of doors slamming and footsteps when there's nobody around. I work overnight. I used to work overnight shifts, so um, there's a lot of that. Um, and I've actually had uh, a lot of my uh, co-workers actually corroborate my, my stories that they've actually had the same experiences. So either we're all crazy or there is something going on. So, so what's an example um, of one yeah. of the stories that you all have in common? Sure. So we have a gym that's located about 100 feet from the staff office. Well, you're here basketball bouncing. Three, four in the morning, we know nobody's in that gym. We've gone and looked. There's nobody there, but we do hear the ball. We never see the ball on camera, but we definitely hear it. We have keys jiggling when, when nobody's around. We've all heard that. And we actually have a fan of Whistler, oh, which wow. is kind of interesting. Yeah, he he, uh, he or she uh, whistles just any time of the, that time of the night um, all over the building and, and you know, nobody's there to, you know, there's no, no physical person doing it, so we've all heard that, too. So those are a couple examples of what goes on in uh, my, my workplace currently. Do you think it's something haunting the grounds or a former addict that maybe didn't make it? Do you have any yeah, questions? I, I think, yeah, I think most of the ones that, that, that cause, I don't want to say trouble, but, you know, they do their thing at night or are former addicts. And the reason they're doing that is not because, you know, they want to be, you know, whatever they they know that I can sense them and see them and hear them, so they just kind of they're kind of like, hey, Kevin, here I am. You know, they know you're sensitive. So, yeah. yeah. So I think that's just their way of just letting us know that hey, they're still around. And, and you know, also in my belief, you know, where I work, they they were able to come off drugs and alcohol. So for them, that was probably a good place in life for them. So they they do come back just to say, you know, hey, this was a pretty decent place in your life for me. So I think that's what they're still, uh, some of them are still around. So other than your work, what experiences have you had? Oh, uh, me and my family were living in Evanston, Illinois at the time, and in a big uh, 19, about basically turn of the century, really big rambling home. Um, and my father was a journalist also, so he, he 
but we're eating dinner and we have you know the, the second floor landing and, and, and the staircase to the bedrooms and I distinctly heard you know somebody walking up and down the hallway on, on the wooden floor and I turned to her and said hey who's nobody's who's that and she said that's my little boy and that really confused me because I was the only little boy in the house that I knew of um, but she basically said later on that she did that because she was afraid someone broke into the house and she didn't want to frighten me. So that was the first thing she could think of. But yeah, I, I just didn't remember that at five, just hearing footsteps clear as a bell, walking on a wooden floor and wondering, you know, who that was. And again, nobody being in the house. So that was like my first experience. That's really freaky. Well, what was your second experience? Uh, my second experience, um, I would have to say the second one that actually the big one that actually really kind of threw me into trying to find out what was going on is, is I captured an electronic work on EVD. It was in, in Full Street, Virginia, in the house I grew up in, uh, basically. So one night, you know, everybody was gone. And I had, you know, watched those shows and, uh, you know, read a lot of books on that. And I thought that was kind of cool. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to see if, you know, I can get somebody. Because I, I actually had people, like, something was walking in my bedroom at the time. Like every night, there was like footsteps in my bedroom, and I didn't. Of course, there was any nobody there, uh, you know. So I wanted to see if, what this was. So you know, I, I decided to go ahead and basically ask if there's anything here, anybody here, um, show me. And I went ahead and went to a friend's house for about an hour, hour and a half. And back then, for the younger viewers, we actually had things called tapes. So we uh, <laughs> I had to, uh, you know, rewind the tape. When I got back in, and uh, for the most part, it really didn't have anything on it. It had a lot, of, a lot of white noise, but at the very end of the tape, in the last 20 to 30 seconds, there was some drumming on the tape recorder. That one was crazy because there was nobody else in the house. And then there was some like weird whistling. Uh, and then at the very end, there was a voice that came through, and it said, I have shown you, ha uh-huh. ha. It was very low and very, I, I don't like to use the word demonic, but I, it was, it sounded, it was very guttural and it scared the hell out of me and I about fell out of my chair and ran outside because that was like, they answered my question. So that really was like the really, the, yeah, that was like catalyst to, to throw me into trying to find out what, what exactly is out here. Well, it's freaky. And I think you did another EVP, right? At some point? Yes. Okay. Yes, I did. Uh, there was one in Pennsylvania where me and my then girlfriend in the, in the book, um, her name's Cheryl. We lived in a little duplex in west, southwestern Pennsylvania, and I recorded something in the basement, and it basically sounded like somebody was like breaking boards and, and busting the wood. And, you know, there was nobody there. It was just me, and uh, you know, I went outside, and there were no neighbors. To, to do it. But it was clear on the tape that it sounded like somebody was down there like busting up wood and like throwing it around the basement there was nobody out there and it was just that was kind of like really creepy and I actually recorded that in the daytime so that was actually kind of neat. where you lived in southwestern Pennsylvania it's a very old old area we have a lot of mines out that way so I, I think it was a, an old miner that had lived in the house a long time ago that probably either died on the property or died close to it it was just basically just coming back to visit I think well that makes sense it's creepy though, but I've heard like Pennsylvania and well, mostly Pennsylvania is really, really, really haunted, especially Gettysburg yes. area. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It's freaky. Are you gonna write uh, another one? Yes, I'm actually speaking of Gettysburg. I'm actually working on another one about Battlefield Ghost. 
Ghosts. Ooh, I want to read that one for sure. This time I'm going to do, with the battlefields, I'm going to go ahead and, and go on there with that. I have a tape recorder my my phone. Uh, and just basically, you know, ask questions, see if I can pick up any, uh, you know, ghostly voices and, and take pictures of the battlefield and see if I can get anything. Um, and, and if there's anybody up there, you know, maybe try to do some interviews. Um, I've tried to interview some of the Parkour Rangers, and I kind of got the standard line from all of my actually interviewing sent me email inquiries to about three or four battlefields, and they basically gave me the same, you know, we need a permit, and I, there's nothing going on around here, and I'm not talking to you, that kind of thing. But those same people to pull me aside and, and bribe me and say, oh, by the way, this happened. So, so when are you expecting, like a year or two? Uh, yeah, hopefully a year. My, my goal is to have the manuscript to my publisher by December. Um, like I said, the COVID-19 really kind of put a kibosh in a lot of stuff. With that, yeah. They're starting to open up battlefields around here, so that, that's good. I can go do some visitations and get that done. But yeah, that's, that's my, my goal is to get it to my publisher by, hopefully by Christmas, if not sooner. So That's good. And where can people locate your books at? Yes, they can get uh, my book at Amazon.com. They can get it at OzarkMountain.com, which is my publishing company. Uh, they can get it at um, BarnesNoble.com. Um, I think Walmart.com, they can also get it. I think it's actually in, or at least it used to be in at the Walmart. So I don't know if they still have it physically in there yet or still. Um, but basically anywhere online you can buy books. I, I believe it's, it's pretty much distributed widely with online bookstores. Awesome. Do you believe objects can be haunted? Absolutely. Um, I, I do believe that certain objects do hold energy, and so, yeah, I believe some probably more so than others, but I believe that if, if depending on what it is, uh, you transfer your energy to, to certain things, so, you know, yeah, definitely, I believe objects can definitely be on it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the battlefield has so much negative energy. I have seen so many videos of Gettysburg Battlefield. And there looks like there's translucent men walking or crawling. So creepy. That's why I'm yes. jealous of you. Our <laughs> color's so bad. It's far from me. I'm like on the west coast. Way away from it. Oh, oh wow. Well, have you ever? Well, they, have the, well, they have a lot of well, they have like the Indian wars out there. They, they do. American battlefields and. Yeah, they have some here, and we have the Oregon Trail came through here, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's definitely not the only with all the stuff that happened there. Yeah, we have, like, a in the foothills, we have this whole thing where there's signs everywhere where they actually went on the Oregon Trail. It's kind of cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I've only been out there a few. I've been out there, but I, I wasn't able to. I was in Arizona for a little bit. I, I have to go back to Arizona to, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the big city down there that Sedona or you can go to Sedona that's the big uh, big new age area down there yeah what's in Sedona is there um, it's just they have like a lot of uh, new age things they have uh, a lot of energies supposed to be down there um, a lot of people that go down there you know that do ghost hunting and things like that the whole ceremonies down there it's supposed to be a really really energized place and a lot of other normal stuff happens down there oh cool um, have you ever encountered a haunted object or heard of any? Um, I've heard of plenty of them. 
Are you ready to hear some creepy ghost stories? Sit back and relax, because real ghost stories are up next, only on Forever Haunted Podcast. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. We go and stay at grandmother's for the weekend every other month. She lived in a little cottage in what seemed to be in the middle of nowhere. She had two spare bedrooms, which me and my brother used, and mom and dad used to sleep on the sofa. Anyway, in my room was a very old dollhouse. It was quite big. I would say about three feet high, four feet wide. It was always just a normal dollhouse to me. I was ten when it happened. I remember I was in the garden with my brother and we decided to dig a hole at the bottom of it. We used a spoon to dig because we didn't want our grandmother to know what we were doing. As we were digging, I noticed a small wooden doll. She was only about three inches tall and had a dirty pink dress on. Instantly, I ran up to the house, cleaning her up and placing her in the dollhouse. Later that night, my 
grandpa. Looking around to see what it was, I noticed the dollhouse was open and all the furniture and dolls were on the floor. Except from the little doll I had found earlier that day. She was at the top room of the house, tucked in the little doll's bed. I remember after I had noticed the little doll, it won't be cold, so I turned my lamp off and tried going back to sleep to get warm. I remember not being able to sleep. I must have just been laying there for over 30 minutes. Then I heard the same creak again, followed by a sort of whisper. It sounded like a little girl. I don't exactly know what it said, but it was something like, thank you for bringing me home. I remember waking up in the morning and thinking it was just a dream, but to my surprise, the dollhouse was there, just as it had been the night before. All the furniture was scattered on the floor. Sure enough, the little doll was in bed, in the top room. I have never forgotten that night, never said anything to my parents or grandmother. It was two years ago when I decided to search my grandmother's house on the internet. Turns out it was built in the early 1900s and once was occupied by a married couple and their seven-year-old daughter. Didn't say how, but it said the daughter had died in the back garden while she was playing. After the little girl's death, parents moved out of their house even behind a big white dollhouse, the same as my grandmother had in her home. As my grandmother about the dollhouse and where she got it from, she said that it was already in the house when she moved in. So I guess the little girl who whispered to me that night was the little girl who died all those years ago. I'm not sure if I'm correct, but it said that she was playing in the garden when she died. So it must have been the little doll she was playing with, but it never got returned to its house. Which could be the reason she thanked me all those years ago.
thought was that was free because she knew I had been wanting one. We packed everything in the van and went home about three hours later. The first stop was my house. My husband was out golfing when we left at a farm rival. Seeing the Cobra, I thought it was pretty sturdy and nice. Old and cheap. I cleaned up the oil and even tied the screws bit on the claws to hold the coats. I set in the foyer near the front door. Now, I have bought other pieces of furniture at antique auction stores, and I've never, ever believed that a piece of furniture could be haunted or something. I was going crazy thinking such a thing. That even while in the family room watching TV, a screeching noise came out of the coat rack. It was so loud, piercing like it was stretching. It was very creepy. My dog even looked up and stared at it. Then there were noises from it like cracking wood, burning in a fire. You know, like a bonfire or something. The noises were loud. I thought to myself, this is coming from a piece of wood. So my husband took Monday and Tuesday off of work this week, so he was home when the next incident happened. He had not experienced this yet. I didn't tell him because I thought it could be from the oil. Sitting at the computer, he was walking up the stairs to the corner, and my dog was sitting with me on the living room floor. All of a sudden, this coat rack made a loud screech noise, and then a big crackle came from it. I looked at the coat because it was right behind me and it was moving back and forth. I think the noise was so loud while it made it wobble back and forth. What the heck was that? My husband said. And I started to laugh and said it's the coat rack. He said the coat rack? Later on in the evening, Will checked out the coat rack looking at it closely. He said it would be the wood from the oil you gave it. I said, like that? I said we will have so much wood in here and never have heard anything like that, especially coming from a piece of wood. He didn't say anything. That night in the family room watching TV, it did it again. Other noises came from it too, sort of traveled to my kitchen. Crackling like the wood was in my kitchen now. It was strange, but I didn't get any uneasy feeling from this. So did my little dog. She would stare at it from the living room and then look around as if she'd seen something that I couldn't see. The third day this happened again all night long, 12 a.m. to 4 a.m. off and on. It was ridiculous, very annoying. I never have heard these noises in my home like this. Crackling wood noises coming from this wood traveling to the kitchen now. At night when I was sleeping, it would wake me up. That's how loud it was. I didn't want the program any longer. Today, July 31st, 2008, I called Amber up and told her of the situation to come by and pick up this program and take it to the store she worked at. She said, sure. I mentioned to her my guy. I mentioned to her and my brother that this program made awful noises. I said that sometimes when you buy an antique, there could be something attached to it. I said, get out of here. Nothing ever could happen. With the pieces I bought in the past, she said, yes, this could happen. I told my mom, she said, if you get rid of it, bring it over to her house. I told her, I don't want it in your home. So freak you out. You don't need to hear these noises it makes. It's pretty damn creepy, mom. The noise travels too. She said, really? And I said, yes, trust me, mom. I want to get rid of it. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Forever Haunted Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting networks so you never miss an episode. If you have a ghost story you'd like to share or be aired on the show, email us at foreverhauntedpodcast at gmail.com. Follow Eve on Facebook or Instagram at eves.evansauthor. Now, stay tuned for some bloopers from the show. Do you want me to do the intro? (laughs) (laughs) Why are pumpkins so deadly? Demon Crocs! Nice. You totally ruined that. (laughs) Today, on I Don't Even Know What Podcast We're On. What do you think we should talk about today? Ow, I told you, let me do that. Come here, woman. (laughs) Manus wanted to give the original family who owned the box back. You want to give the family back? <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, there was nobody in the room. If you got it, flaunt it. No, mirrors have never freaked me out. Well, Sean... <laughs> well, Sean... <laughs> that doesn't even make sense in that context. Hey, interview. What do you want me to say? Wait, you know, ad-libbing. Alright, folks. You don't have to leave, but you can't stay here! Thank you for listening to Forever Haunted Podcast with Eve, James, and Ryan. And remember, if you have a ghost story you'd like featured on the show, contact us at foreverhauntedpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on all social media so you don't miss a thing. Eves.EvansAuthor on Instagram and Facebook. Or Forever Haunted Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.